Well, a few weeks ago I preached on friends and friendship and I want to continue that, uh, that message this morning on part two of that. The friend you need to be is what I've titled today. So um, I just want to uh, recap some of the things that we looked at. But before we do that, most of us have high expectations of what we expect of others in friendship. So an example of that is if, if you break down, if your car breaks down or you have a crash or something in your car and people drive past you that you don't know, you'd say, well, they're strangers. I have no expectation that a stranger is going to stop. But if you made eye contact with someone driving past who knows you, who is a friend, and they continue to drive, I think you'd have a feeling of, of, uh, um, of, of lost expectations. You'd have a feeling of disappointment, a feeling of being let down because you think, but they were my friend and I was in need and yet they kept driving. Now, if you think about it in friendships, uh, they often end when expectations aren't met. When we think, well, we expected something to happen. We expected to do this for me. Um, we were expecting uh, the birthday present or whatever it is that we're expecting out of someone else. And when that doesn't happen, that can be the catalyst for a separation, for a breakdown of our friendship. But in um, my message a few weeks ago, Friends Part 1, I spoke about friends of conviction and friends of convenience. And we looked at the book of Daniel. We're going to be looking at Daniel a bit later on this morning as well. But um, Daniel had friends in Babylon and it was so important that we could see the power of those friendships in his life in a place of ungodliness. So the key point that I had then was you need friends, godly spiritual friends. And I still want you to be reminded of that. You need godly spiritual friends who help you grow in the things of God, that help you go into better experiences in the spirit. So that's a, a, a key point. Now, going back to Daniel, he had friends of conviction that brought the power of God into life in Babylon. And I'll tell you something, that the life today in which we live is in, in an ungodly secular environment where godly values don't matter anymore, where godly um, convictions are no longer seen as a good thing in life. And we're living, so to speak, in Babylon surrounded by ungodliness. But uh, I want to give you today three elements to be the friend you need to be. The friend you need to be to somebody else. Um, so there's two parts of this. What to look for in others and what to develop in yourself. <clears throat> so it's so often we can be expecting the, uh, the, the, the behavior of others toward us as friends and yet we don't consider how we need to be behaving in a way that is good for our friend so there's a two-way thing all the points I bring to you today see it as a two-way application what to expect from others and what you can do and bring to your friends as well so the, the story uh, that has a powerful example of friendship um, of people who stuck together and believe God together again we're going to go to the book of Daniel so Daniel chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 it says, one night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar, who is a bad king, an evil king, an ungodly king, he had such, a, such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers and astrologers and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. That's a pretty crazy demand because he's not saying, well, tell me what, what the dream meant. 
he tells him, tell me what the dream was. So he had such a disturbing dream that when he woke up, he couldn't even remember what it was, but he was terrified, he was disturbed, he was, he was uh, uh, um, fearful, and he couldn't remember what the dream was. So he gets all these uh, wise men, all these uh, astrologers and, and sorcerers, and he, he, he demands of them, tell me what the dream was, because he's so messed up by it. Verse 10 it says, they replied, no one on earth can tell the king his dream. So the king ordered all the wise men to be executed, and that, including Dan that included Daniel and his friends. So this king is unreasonable uh, to the extreme. He's saying, you know, if you can't tell me the dream, that I'm not going to tell you what it was. If you can't tell me what the dream was and what it means, then you're going to be executed. So Daniel and his friends are included in that execution order. So Daniel 2, verse 17 and 19, it says this. So Daniel hears the news. You, you get, you know, the, 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 the police come to his house. Are you Daniel? These are all your friends? Yes, this is us. Okay, you've got to come with us because we're going to execute you today. Daniel asked for some, for some, for some time and says, Then Daniel went home, told his friends, Hananiah, Michael, and Azariah, or Mishael, sorry, uh, what had happened and he urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon <clears throat> I love this part it says that night the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision now I believe what happened is Daniel told his friends he shared the burden of what was coming and he said, guys, if we don't do something, then we're all doomed to die. So they get together in the lounge room, wherever they were, and they, they kneel down. They begin to cry out to God on their knees. They've gone from a, a physical challenge and they take it into the spiritual realm and they begin to cry out to God saying, Lord, will you show us, Tell, show one of us what this dream was so that not only us don't get killed, but every other wise man in Babylon will save all their lives because we need to see, you know, the, the, the preservation of life, not the destruction of life. <clears throat> so Daniel and his friends were, were stirred to pray. Now, Jesus said this about the power of praying friends. Um, Matthew 18, verse 19 and 20, I also, I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together, two or three friends gather together as my followers, I am there among them. So when you have friends that call out to God, I'll give you three things that you need to call out to God for when you pray as friends. Pray for his wisdom, his will, the wisdom that doesn't come from us, his will that doesn't come from us, and his way, the power of heaven to save, is unleashed. Because when we go to God and begin to say, well, God, this is how I think you need to do it, we'll be disappointed, we'll be discouraged, and we'll be disillusioned with God. But when we start to pray in our prayers for his wisdom, which is above our wisdom, we pray for his will, which is, a, is not our will, and we pray his way, which is what we can't see the way forward. When you begin to line those things up, then you'll step into a whole new dimension of spiritual walking and living that is powerful. But when you have friends that call on God, we can see 
that kind of experience as a, a, a regular thing. So I want to encourage you, be a praying friend. Make it, a nor- make it normal to pray with your friends about anything and everything. Now I want to, I want to encourage you, you've got to have believing friends around you. Find Christian people in your church, in your, in your family, wherever you find these, uh, these networks but you need friends that you can call on God together. So when a challenge comes, when there's something going on, you can call on a friend and you say, will you pray with me? And be the friend who suggests the prayer. Because someone might come to you and unload a burden, whatever it may be. Um, the bank is going to take my house. Um, we, we, we've got a sickness that, that we've just been diagnosed with. Whatever that challenge may be, it is unbelievable to get someone who will carry the burden with you and carrying it to God in prayer and it unleashes a spiritual dimension in, in your situation. So you, I want to encourage you, you may, you may have to create a new normal among your friends and start praying. You be the one who creates that, that, uh, that new dimension. So the first key we have today is you need to be uh, the friend I said this wrong in the first one. I thought I'll get it right this time. I've done it wrong again. The friend you need to be is a praying friend. I don't know how come I mucked that up, but I did it in both services. exactly the same. I don't know why. But you need, the friend you need to be is the praying friend. And I want to encourage you, when you pray, when you agree together to pray on something, what you need to do is apply God's word to that. So God's word will have something to say about everything that we face in life. And when you combine your prayers with what God's word says, power is is transferred from heaven into your situation. Now it may not look and taste and feel like what you think it should, but when you let in God's wisdom, God's God's way, and what was the other one? God's, God's will into that situation, then you'll have much better outcomes in everything. But I want to tell you something, if, it, if it's something that, that is relational, there will be a word from God. You need to find friends who will say, I will speak the word of God. It doesn't the Bible say that I've got a word for you? And be the praying friend who can usher people into the presence of God in prayer and see the power of God moving into those situations. The second one, the friend you need to be is a loyal friend. A loyal friend. I want to show you some things here this, this morning. First Chronicles chapter 27, verses 25 and 33. It says, I'm not going to read it all out to you there. There's a lot of scripture there. But King David of Israel had an impressive list of officials. So he had uh, treasurers, um, farm manager, vineyard manager, olive grove manager. It says all their names. Um, the supply manager, the, the cattle manager, the, the camel manager, the donkey manager, <clears throat> the sheep and goat manager. All these officials were overseers of King David's property, important people. Um, then he had counsellors, teachers, advisors, army commanders. And, and then verse 33, the very last part, it says, Hushiah, or however you say his name, the archite was the king's friend. You have all these other people, amazing people, they're managers, they're, they're advisors, they're wise, they're smart, they're, they're amazing people. And then there's Hushai, the archite, is the king's friend. What I want you to see here, no matter who you are and who else you have in your life, you need a friend. You need friends. So not those who work for you or serve you or vice versa, 
you just need friends. You need friends who you can talk to about life's challenges, about the things that, 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 that they don't owe you anything, you don't owe them anything, but you can talk to them about the things that burden your heart, the things that burden your soul. You need to be a friend that can be like that and you need friends that can be like that in your life. I'll give you a quote. A friend, it's a pop-up here, a friend is one who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. Now the Bible would describe it like this, Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. So be a loyal friend. There's a saying that people say these days that they have a brother from another mother. And I think that's a good way to describe it is because we weren't born from the same womb. How's that for, for, for great language? They weren't born from the same mother, but they've got such a close friendship that they are like brothers uh, in, in heart and spirit. So I love that, that uh, description. The third thing, the friend you need to be that leads others to God. You need to be a friend who leads others into the call and the purpose and the presence of God in their life. So if you want to know the most effective way to win the lost, so if I were to say, hey guys, hey church, I'm gonna, we're going to go on a campaign to win the world, would you be interested? Would you want to do the course? You're thinking, nah, this church is a bit dead here today. And not, 9 a.m. service was in. Have a, have a lot more work to do with, you, with this age. So... So if we were to consider, what is the most effective evangelism method that the world has? What would, be, what would be the key? Would we do the course? Would we do the study? Buy the book? Get the CD? Tattoo it on our forehead? We'd be in. But I can tell you what it is today. The most effective way to win the lost is to be a friend. To be a friend. You don't even need the book. You don't even need to buy the T-shirt. But it's to be a friend who leads others to Jesus. See, that's the most effective evangelism tool the church has always had and will ever have is to be friendly to other people, is to make friends and help them see Jesus through your life and through your witness and, and bringing them to the, to the house of God. So 2 Kings, this is a, a bit of an ambiguous uh, story here that I'm going to give you. But 2 Kings 5 verse 1, it talks about the king of Aram had great admiration. Now, the king of Aram, I'll just go some background, Aram and Israel were, were bitter enemies. So the king of Aram is enemies with the king of Israel, the people of God. Aram is not the people of God. They're, 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 they do everything wrong and they're evil and they're, they're mean and nasty and they hate Israel. But anyhow, this king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army. Admiration, they were great friends. They weren't just colleagues. It wasn't just a the, the army commander of the king. It's like we're, we've been together through thick and thin. I've served, you know, uh, uh, Naaman has, has had uh, um, uh, the king of Aram's uh, back all his life. They're, they're close, they're knit, they're, they're, they're great friends, not just a, a partnership, business partnership or whatever. They're friends. Now, um, they, they were like that because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. He's got this terrible disease. Now, the king of Aram, because he was his friend, had sent him to see Elisha in Israel to get healed. He says, you know what? Because you're my friend, I don't like to see your disease. I don't like to see your sickness. But I've heard in the enemy's world, 
in God's world, in the kingdom of God, if you go there and see the prophet, then you'll get healed. So he sends him to Israel. Now, Naaman goes to Elisha. He sees the prophet and he gets healed of his leprosy, a horrible disfiguring condition. And he turns to God, but with conditions. He says, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe in God now because of what he's done for me. But here's some conditions. I'll show you how it goes. Um, 2 Kings 5, 17 and 18. <clears throat> then Naaman said, please allow me to load two of my mules with the earth from this place and I'll take it back home with me. From now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other god except the Lord. Does that sound noble? Does that sound good? Does that sound like a transition of faith? I, I believe it, 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 it is. But then he says, however, may the Lord pardon me in this one thing. When my master, the king, goes into the temple of the god Rimon to worship there and leans on my arm, may the Lord pardon me when I bow too. What is this all about? So before he leaves the prophet, before he goes home from church that day, he's thinking of his friend, the king of Aram, and he's already planning his caveat. And so when my friend bows to a false god, I'll bow too. I want to tell you something. Your friends don't need you to bow to what they're bowing to. Your friends need to see the power of God that has saved you, that has healed you, that has, that has uh, corrected you, that has been with you, that is flowing through, in, flowing through in you, whatever. He wants you to stand when they're bowing. He wants you to show a better way that, that you're serving the true and living God. You don't need to bow to your friends of alcohol. You don't need to bow to the friends of, of whatever it is that they might be partaking of. But they're bowing to something and you don't have to say, well, you know, I came to church and God really touched me. I felt the presence of God. I feel a stirring in my heart. But ju just one thing, God, today when I go home, I'm going to go to my friend's house and, and they might have some stuff on on, on the TV that's not good for me to look at. But, but I'll just bow. Pardon me. Pardon me. Pardon me. It's all in the inflection. Be that friend that when God has done good for you, you won't bow to what they worship. Rather point them to say, remember the leprosy. Remember how God healed me. You don't need to bow to that because you should be bowing to the living God. You should be bowing to a more powerful God than this false God. And rather point your friend to the grace of God who saved and healed you. Something to get excited about. You know, I, I just want to encourage you. You know, you might have struggled with that. I know that that was a, a, a big thing in my life that I was, I always felt condemned because the devil would cause me to, to, to change with who I was surrounded by and then condemn you for, for, for bowing to those things. I didn't know it was like that, but that's what, uh, what would happen. Could I just have some, some uh, music come, please? Matthew 1, verse 43 and 49. I might actually get Penny and, and Jimmy too. Um, we'll do something different. Matthew 1, verses 43 to 49, talks about Philip, who told his friend Nathaniel about Jesus. And Nathaniel believed and followed Jesus and became a disciple. All started because a friend told a friend. The most effective evangelism tool the church has is friends telling their friends about Jesus.
And I want to consider our theme, All for the One. There are those who you know, there are those who we know, and they're waiting for someone to tell them about the Lord. They're waiting for someone to invite them. They're waiting for someone to bring them. They're waiting for the opportunity to be introduced to Jesus. Be a friend who leads others to the Lord. Do you say, well, I'm, all, I'm surrounded by Christian friends. Be the friend who leads others into the, the, the fullness of their ministry in God. Be the one who says, hey, I'll pray with you. I'll believe with you. I'll fast and pray with you. Be that kind of a friend. Be a praying friend. Just wrapping up, be a praying friend, be a loyal friend, and be a friend who leads others to God. And we'll start to see strength being interwoven into our lives, into our, into our community, into our church. I'm just going to ask if you can, if you'll stand with me this morning. I'd like to just pray about a few things. <clears throat> Perhaps you've been listening to my message and you've carried the disappointment of unmet expectations from others friends who let you down and you know maybe probably we can't change that but from now on you can make a decision to be the friend that someone else needs you to be and i believe that god wants to bring healing into those parts of our life that have been hurt by unmet expectations because when we have those things they they cause us to build a wall they cause us to make a separation between people they cause us to to put the prickles out so that no one can get close to us like that again because we're thinking well i'll protect myself so i'll not, not let anyone get close to me like that ever again because i don't want to be let down you know something you live you live below the relationships and the the the, the great uh experiences that you need to have in life through relationships and through friendships if you live with that distance from people you can be healed of that emotion that emotional baggage today so that you can love others with pure motives with with a, a good heart with with the right kind of a perspective about life so i just really know that right now god wants to heal some people so that you can love again so that you can be friends again, so that you can extend yourself again, because I tell you something, you need friends and your friends need you. It's a two-way equation. Why don't we just raise our hands right now, right across this place in expectation. And if this relates to you, then, then I know that the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in you today and bring healing to some of those deep hurts of unmet expectation. So Father, right now I wanna pray. Lord, for every single person here in this place who has the burden, has carried the baggage of unmet expectation, has felt the hurt and disappointment of a friend who has let them down, where what you expected didn't happen. But Lord, we pray right now and we bring that burden to you and say, Lord, I want to release that. Because when we let that go, then we're going to be free to take up new friendships. We're going to be free to take up new levels of relationship that are so fulfilling and so, so awesome and so life building that that we just cannot measure the value of those things so father i pray for life building friendships to be forged through people who we know here in this church and people all around us and i pray that you use us as tools to bring the good news to the lost the hurting and the broken who are all around us every day in jesus name we pray amen and amen just you can take your seats I just also want to take the opportunity right now 
for people to get their lives right with God. If you're here today and you've never entered a relationship with Jesus and would like to make that decision to follow Him, I want to encourage you with some personal time right now for you to respond to the call of God. If you're here in church today and you've been away from God but you found yourself here, that's because the Lord has been doing a, a drawing. He's been doing a, a, um, a, a stirring in your spirit to get you to church because He wants you to be right with Him. I want you to take the first step on the path of life today. Please pray this prayer with me. It's, gonna, it's on the screen there right now. We're just going to pray it together on the count of two. We'll pray this prayer together. One, two. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins. I ask that you forgive me. I give you my life, and I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. Today, I am born again. I trust my future into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to encourage you, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, or you've been away from God and you want to come back to God, Please come and see me. I'd love to talk with you more about that, pray with you and encourage you about that very important step of being right with Jesus in your life.